0: Hey, good morning everybody. Hope you're doing really well. My name is Chris. We are carrying on our series called Out of the Shallows. In fact, we're wrapping it up um, this morning. For the last three weeks, we've been looking at what does it mean, how does it look like for us to get out of the shallows when it comes to our faith, wherever we are on our spectrum of faith, whether we've been... Christians for many years, whether you know we're just starting out, whether we're not sure what we think or what we believe at all. What does it look like for us to get out of the shallows and to experience the depths when it comes to our faith? And as ever, you can track along with the series at fbcnext.com. If you've missed any of the messages, you can just um, listen to them again. There's also discussion questions that you can download just to go over some of the stuff. Some of our small groups are tracking along with it, so maybe you've been doing that um, in the week, but they're there for anybody. Um, so you can use that to remind yourself of some of the things that we've been looking at. And the thing that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks um, is, you know, how do we go deep? How do we find the depth um, in in our faith? And the the revelation for some of us is actually that's our responsibility. That's not the church's job. You know, sometimes we can think, actually, I come to church and it's the worship leaders or the the preacher or the minister or my small group leader. It's someone else's responsibility for me to experience deep when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. But actually, the thing we've been exploring is it's not someone else's job. It's our job. It's our responsibility wherever we are on our spectrum of faith. You know, if we're right at the beginning and we're a curious, um, sep- ske- not sceptic, sceptic, uh, and we're not sure what it is that we think or we believe, maybe we've got big questions, we've got big doubts, and we're just trying to work it out for ourselves, but we want to work it out for ourselves. We don't just want to take what everybody else says. We want to check it out for ourselves. Actually, the stuff we're looking at is relevant to us, and actually it's our responsibility if we're here to take steps to experience, well, what does deep look like for me? How do I get out of the shallows? And some of us, we, we've done that, and we believe in Jesus, and we've come to a point where actually, yeah, we we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that some of the stuff we read about in the Bible, that's for me, and I want to live my life according to him, but I want to go deeper in my my faith. And maybe there's people around you, people whose faith you you aspire to be like, you think, actually, I'd love to be where where they are. It's your responsibility, if that's you, if you're a hungry novice, to actually take steps for you to go deeper in your faith. And some of us, we're, we, we've experienced that. We're restless veterans. We've been Christians for many years. We know what it means to go deep. We know what it means to experience the depths of our faith. But perhaps the best years when it comes to our faith are behind us. That we look back and we remember times when we saw God at work in us and God at work through us. what well, We saw times when we grew in our relationship with Jesus. But now we're sort of plateauing. But we don't want to stay here. We're hungry for more. That we know there's deeper, stronger, better things that God has for us. If that's us, if, if you're a restless veteran, then it's your responsibility to actually take those steps um, into the, d- the depths. And we at FBC, we want to help and we do lots of things to try and uh, facilitate and encourage and inspire us to do that. But actually, at the end of the day, it's our responsibility to get out of the shallows and to find the depths. And uh, some of us started this journey on fbcnext.com deep, where for 21 days, we've been um, reading the Bible for ourselves and, and praying about it. Um, if you've not done that, you can still do it. We've got a week left. Um, on that, and you can still download all of the 21-day readings there. And, and this is just about inspiring us to actually go to God um, ourselves, actually read the Bible for ourselves, but not just read it, actually allow it to infiltrate our lives, to so actually spend time thinking about it and thinking about, well, what does that mean? How does that make a difference in who I am? How does that make a difference um, in what I'm going to do uh, today? And the stuff we've looked at, you know, on, on week one, we, we realise that the shallows can be bottle-fed, but the depths need to be south-fed. You know, that we can actually come to a point and somebody spoon-feed us all it is that we need to know about who Jesus is and what it means to be a follower um, of him. But if that's all we do, if we just get fed by what people give us, we will stay in the shallows. We will never experience the depths. And last week, we looked at that we need to work out what it is that God is working in. You know, God is the one who works within us. God is the one who transforms us. God is the one who speaks into our lives. And that's great. And we can sit and we can consume and consume and consume. But if all we do is consume and consume and consume, we just get fat. And actually, we need to exercise our faith, that we need to work out, we need to apply the stuff that God is working um, into us. And the things that we've looked at um, throughout this series is this realization that for, that we live live in a DIFM culture, a do-it-for-me culture. There's many things that we used to do ourselves, DIY, do it yourself, um, but now we get other people to do it. You know, um, we, uh, we pay for people to slice our apples uh, for us. We pay for people to grate the cheese for us. We pay for people um, to wash our cars. There's so many things that we used to do it ourselves, but to save some time, we will pay somebody else to do it for me. When it comes to faith, we cannot D-I-F-M. I cannot do it for you. I cannot um, take responsibility for your faith and for you finding uh, the depths. Only you can do that, that we need to do it ourselves. But the thing about DIY, not D-I-F-M, doesn't mean that we have to do it by ourselves. It doesn't mean i I'm getting lost in all these uh, Yeah. Yes, it is our responsibility. Yes, we have to DIY our faith. But it doesn't mean we have to do it by ourselves. And there's so many things in life that actually we shouldn't do alone. You know, There's so many things in life that actually it's not good to do alone. I'm just going to show you a, a couple of examples um, of that. Cutting it. down a tree is something you should not do by yourself see this guy there. I mean, what's possibly going to go wrong? Cutting down the tree? <laughs> that was a little bit stupid. I think it's more stupid that he filmed it. I mean, what on earth? So, you know, cutting down a tree is certainly something that you shouldn't do by yourself. What about weightlifting? Is weightlifting something that you should do by yourself? Now, this guy, I don't understand people who do this. You know, set up a video camera to film themselves bench-pressing um, bench pressing weights. But there he is in his basement, maybe, and he's got his weights and, you know, he's going to lift them up. They go, and he's going to... Come down, and then he's going to push it back up. Uh, no, he's not. He's, no, he's not. And wait, wait for it, wait for it. Yeah, he's struggling. Mom, mom, <laughs> mom! That's hilarious, isn't it? I'm trying to. Work. I'm yeah. I'm cool. I'm strong. I got, I got. Mom, mom. And then he posts it on social media. I'm so grateful for that. There's so many things in life that we shouldn't do by ourselves. Operating power tools, unless you're a professional, you should not do uh, by yourselves. Using ladders, we've seen that already, you shouldn't do that by yourself. This one is so important. You, know, you should never do this next thing by yourself. Changing a nappy for the first time. You should never do that. Some of us have done that. I'm sure there's a few dads out there who realize that mistake and stuff goes everywhere. You need a whole team around you uh, to do that. There's so many things in life that we shouldn't do by ourselves. You know what? Faith is something we shouldn't do alone. Faith is something we shouldn't do alone. And that can sometimes seem or feel counterintuitive because we think, well, isn't faith a private thing? You know, isn't faith a personal thing between uh, me and God? It's about me and my relationship with him. It's not about other people. And yes, that's partly right, that's partly true, but it's also not quite correct, and we'll explore why uh, today. You know, faith is your responsibility for you to experience depth wherever you are on the spectrum of faith, whether, you know, if you don't believe you're not a Christian and you want to find out a little bit more for yourself, or you're all the way down this other end and you've been a Follow Jesus for many years, your faith and your development and going deep is your responsibility. It is something that you need to do yourself, but it doesn't mean that has to be something you have to do by yourself. And the thing about this is some of us find this harder than others, or some of us find it easier than others. You know, our personality, our temperament, the way that we're wired can can make it easier for us to do faith with other people, or makes it more natural for us to do faith on our own. You know, if you're more introverted, if you're more reserved, you'd like to keep yourself to yourself, if you don't really feel comfortable or confident sharing what you're thinking or what you're feeling uh, with other people, if you're more of a private person than actually doing faith with other people can be a little bit more of a challenge uh, for us. You know, some of us find this a lot more harder uh, than other people. But the whole thing um, about this is it's so important that we realise that faith is not something we do alone. Faith is something that we need to do together um, in community. It's because, actually, when you do something in community, your chance of succeeding in whatever it is goes up. You know, you are much more likely to achieve your goals or to achieve your dreams or achieve your ambitions if you do it with a group of people than if you do it by yourself. You know, if it is, you know, dieting or running or climbing a mountain or even reading a book, you know, that's why people join book groups, is that actually if you do it together, your chance of succeeding is a lot higher. When we do things by ourselves, it's so much easier just to cut corners. It's so much easier just to cheat. It's so much easier just to not even bother. You know, maybe you want to get fitter and you want to start running. Uh, Well, last year we started the Couch to 5K and a group of people came, and you know they had never ran before, and by the end of it, uh, they were running five kilometers. Why? How could they do that? Well, it was because they were doing it with a group of people, that support, that community that you exist. You know, you, Maybe you want to do that, and getting fit is your goal for this year, and uh, you say, okay, I'm going to go for a run every morning, and, and the alarm goes off at six o'clock in the morning, and it's cold, and it's wet, and it's dark. The chances of you staying in bed, if you're doing it by yourself, are quite high, aren't they? Let's be honest, thinking, do I really? No, I'll do it tomorrow. But then you don't do it the next day, you don't do it the next day if you're doing it with somebody else you know somebody else is coming to meet me and we're going to do this together that actually is enough to get you out of bed is enough to actually think okay i'm not going to cut corners here i'm going to do this uh, and i'm going to achieve my goal now if that's true for running and exercise and dieting and whatever it is how much truer is it for faith actually having a group of people around us to help us experience what deep looks like and the thing is scripture constantly points towards the need for community Right from the the very first book in the Old Testament, Genesis, all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament, right through to Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, we see this image of community, that God has created us for community, that God has called us to do faith with one another, not to do it. By and I want to, uh, us to explore a really famous passage of Scripture uh, this morning that talks about this community, that paints this image of, com- of community. If you've been a Christian or around church for any time, you've probably come across this passage. It's familiar to you. If you've not, if you, this is your first time, you, you probably wouldn't have uh, read it. Um, and it's written by a guy called Luke. Luke was one of the authors of the Gospels. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and Luke wrote this sort of orderly account. There's already, already other versions of the life of Jesus. As people recording the things and the events that, of Jesus' life. And Luke took it upon himself to write this. Um, he investigated it. He wrote this orderly account. And then he wrote a second book, which is called Acts. And it's after, you know, Luke's gospel talks about Jesus' life up to his, uh, his crucifixion and his resurrection. Um, Acts sort of picks it up after Jesus ascended miraculously into heaven. And before he did that, he basically said to his followers, to his disciples, right, I'm going and I want you to carry on what I'm starting. And so Luke chronicled cause, the the, the start of the church, the birth of the church, the acts of the apostles, as it was called, these these followers of Jesus. And in this, right at the beginning, in Acts chapter 2, we see this wonderful image of community, of how they did church together, of how they did faith together, and how they didn't do it alone. So we're going to go through it, and we're going to learn a few things about, you know, this is why, the things that we can do better in community than we can do by ourselves. Let's pick it up in verse uh, 42. So they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching um, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Luke, Luke's recording this for us. They are, are the followers. They are, are is the church, the people who believe in Jesus, the people who put their hope and their trust in, in Jesus. And, and we see right at the beginning of this is that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Now you might be wondering, well, what is the apostles teaching? Well, Matthew, who wrote another one of those accounts of Jesus's life, another gospel, right at the end of that, records something that Jesus says... Um, to his followers. It's called the Great Commission, which is another famous bit of the Bible. And Jesus basically says to them, I want you to teach them everything I've taught you. I want you to go into the whole world and I want you to tell people about me and I want you to, to show them, I want you to model them, I want you to instruct them to obey all the things that I've taught um, to you. So the apostles' to, um, teaching that the, the church at this time had devoted themselves to was the teaching of Jesus. You know, they devoted themselves to what Jesus had said, they devoted themselves to living as Jesus had lived, to following on the things that Jesus had followed. So they, they did that. They devoted themselves to that, and they devote themselves to fellowship. Now, that's a funny word, um, fellowship. Um, and it's a sort of a word that Christians tend to use in contexts where we would never use fellowship uh, 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 in other places. We talk about when we get together, sometimes Christians will say, well, it's, it's nice to have fellowship uh, with one another. But we only say that in a church context. You know, when you, if you go to the pub with your mates, you'll never say, let's go to the pub, or let's go to curry for some fellowship with one another. It just sounds a bit odd. I've just come back from um, a ski week. That's such as my life. You know, I live a very difficult life with a group of guys. And we said, let's go together to have fellowship with one another on the slopes. No, we didn't say that at all. But that's exactly what we did. You go away to have fun with one another, you know, and just to spend time with one another. I struggle a little bit with this this word because it seems a little bit wet to me. But the best example of what fellowship is all about, which we see in here, is this thing about that they, they gather around a common goal. They gather around a common purpose that they had a common mission in mind and maybe you've read the books or you've seen the films of the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy and right the very first book the very first film was called The Fellowship of the Ring and it's all based around this character Frodo baggings they've got this sort of evil ring and they've got to take the evil ring to Mount Mordor to a volcano to stick it in there so it can be destroyed and they're all fighting over who should carry the ring and it's got power and all this sort of stuff and, and who's going to go and take it and Frodo This little hobbit, I think he is, um, speaks up and says, I will take it though I don't know the way. You know, such courage. He sees the importance um, of of the mission. And and he's not qualified for it. He's not equipped for it. He's not the strongest. He doesn't have any weapons at all. He's just got hairy feet. And he says, I will take the ring, though I don't know the way. And all the other people who are arguing and bicking around themselves stop and realize, yeah, this is the goal. This is the mission. This is the purpose. And they pledge their fellowship to him. And they say, I'll go and you can have my axe and you can have my my. Bow and my long flowing hair, or whatever it is that the other people do, and they actually gather around this common goal, this common mission, this common task, and that's exactly what fellowship is. You know, gathering around a common mission, a common goal, a common purpose, and we see that right at the beginning um, of the church that they devoted themselves to to the teachings of Jesus, to to living their lives as Jesus would if he was in their shoes. They devoted themselves to the mission that Jesus had uh, given to them. And we've discovered the first thing about what we do in community that's better than we can do on our own, and that's simply that we learn together. You now, when we gather together, when we experience community together, when we experience fellowship um, together, we actually learn together. They devoted themselves to the teaching of Jesus. And in community, we can do the same. In community, we can ask questions. In community, we can explore. We can wrestle. We can debate. We can disagree. We can't do that on a row. You know, this is not an open conversation. I'm talking to you. You can't talk back to me, so don't even get ideas that you can do that at the moment But when we get in a circle, we can do that. We can say what on earth was Chris talking about there? I don't understand that or isn't Chris good-looking and humorous and very intelligent. That's what happens in small groups all week Anyway, you know, we can do that. We can share those things. We can wrestle. We can debate. We can delve dig deep deeper We can learn together far better in community than we ever will on our own And some of us we looked at this um, on week one some of us are further on in our faith and there's this letter to Hebrews that we explored in week one, and it says, you know, by now you should be teaching others, but you're still, you still need to be bottle fed. You should be out there, you should be instructing others, encouraging others, emptying your cup into other people's cup. And for some of us, you know, we're at a stage in our faith and our journey uh, with God where actually we've learned loads of stuff, we've experienced lots of stuff, we've, we've gathered wisdom. And for us to go deep actually means not just taking more and more in, it means pouring more and more out. It means, you know, how do we share what we've discovered with other people? How do we encourage other people? How do we pour out what God has poured into us, into other people? You know, perhaps the best thing that you can do to grow deep in your faith is to surround yourself with a group of people who are hungry to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Perhaps the best thing that you can do for your faith to go deeper is to surround yourself with a fellowship, a group of people who are actually going to learn together and discover more and wrestle and ask those big questions, who are not just going to take what's said for granted, but are going to explore it and unpack it and wrestle with it. Perhaps the the best thing that you can do for your faith is to get around a group of people who want to go deeper and want to discover a bit more to, with one another. Let's move on in the passage. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. It's just describing FBC on a Sunday morning. You know, as I look out, everyone is filled with awe, everyone is filled with a sense of excitement and anticipation. Yeah, okay, maybe not um, at all. And that's the thing. This is what what was going on here. Every single person there, whether they were new to the church or whether they were one of the apostles or whether they, you know, wherever they are on their spectrum of faith, everyone was filled with a sense of awe and wonder about what God was doing. And beginning with it, it started with the apostles. That's the twelve followers of Jesus, the twelve disciples. They were doing these amazing things that God was at work in them and through them. But really quickly on, as you read through Acts, you see it was everyone was doing that. Normal, everyday people who were. Following following Jesus, saw God at work in them and saw God at work through them. And they were filled with a sense of awe and wonder, this sense of anticipation, this sense of expectation about what God was going to do. When was the last time you had that? When was the last time you had a sense of anticipation and expectation that God was going to show up and do something in your life and do something through your life? See, for many of us, we don't have that because we've actually um, absolved ourselves of that responsibility. We think that's somebody else's job. We think that's somebody else's responsibility, that God is at work through other people and he's not at work uh, through me. You know, God calls us to have this sense of anticipation, this sense of excitement, this sense of awe and wonder about what he is doing, about what he can do and what he will do in our lives and in the lives of our family and in our workplaces and our, our schools and in our church and in our neighborhood, that God Cause us to have a sense of awe about what He can do in us and through us and through our friends and through our families and through the community in which we exist. And we see that was happening right from the beginning in in Acts that they gathered together, they had this community together, and God was at work in them and God was at work through them. And we see the second thing that's better in community than on our own is that we serve together. You know, when we discover community, we can serve uh, together, but far better than we can on our own. You know, they were amazed at what the apostles were doing and they joined in and they saw God do something uh, in them. They saw God do something through them. Can you remember those moments? Maybe you know, if you're older in your faith or more mature in your faith and you look back and remember those times when God was at work in you and when God was at work through you. When God used you to actually help somebody else take a step further on their faith. You know, what did that do for your faith? What did it do for you experiencing deep? It spurred you on, it encouraged Encourage you more that you're amazed that, yeah, God can use me, that God wants to use me, that God wants to speak uh, through me, that God wants to actually meet, for me to be part of His plans and purposes, not only to bless me, but to bless the people I come into contact with. You know, having community makes it far more easier for us to step out of our comfort zones and step into those more challenging, more difficult things. You know, God might be calling you or encouraging you to do something with your faith, to work out what he's working in. You know, actually to, to volunteer, to sign up for a team, you know, to helping kids work or, or youth work, to run a connect group, whatever it is, and actually saying, you know, I want you to put your faith in the line. I want you to start exercising your faith. But you are filled up with doubt. You're thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I've not got enough experience in that. When you're in community, when we have that fellowship, we have people who encourage us, who spur us on, who see things in us that perhaps we don't see in ourselves, who believe things in us that perhaps we don't believe in ourselves. It's so much easier to step out of our comfort zones when we experience that community. You no, know, as I said this week, I was off with some guys skiing, and I know what this, this looks like, of stepping out of your comfort zone, because if you ever go skiing with guys and you're not a very good skier, you perpetually live out of your comfort zones. Uh, and so we're at the top of a black run, I've never done a black run before, and if I was by myself, I would have looked at it and gone, you're having a laugh, it. I'll get the gondola down, I'm not gonna go down that. But being with some guys who go off, you think, I can't not go, because you know, when you're with guys, you don't really have this encouragement, they just will take the mick out of you perpetually for that. So off I go, set off down this, this black run and I get down fine in one piece. No, not everybody did, but I did because I'm that good. Uh, and it's uh, that sense of camaraderie, that sense of fellowship, that sense of support uh, that people think, well, they probably wanted me to fall if I'm honest, but uh, they, you know, I see this in you. You can you can do this. You know, If that's true for a bunch of guys going skiing, how much truer is it for a bunch of people gathering around one another to see God at work in them and through them, believing, you know, God can, use you God can speak into your life and God can speak through your life that actually if you step out of your comfort zone God will be there and he will support you and he will help you and you will see him do amazing things you will be filled with awe and wonder about what God can do in you and in the people around you you know when we're in community we serve together and we see our faith increase Perhaps the best thing you can do to experience deep in your faith is to surround yourself with a group of people who are hungry and filled with expectation and anticipation for what God can do in them and for what God can do through them. Perhaps the best thing you can do for your faith is to get with a group of people who are not content with just staying in the shallows, who are not content with staying in their comfort zone, but who want to step out and experience what deep really looks like. Let's continue. All the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers. Not just the apostles, not just the, you know, the leaders, not just the spiritual ninjas. Absolutely everyone, wherever they were on that spectrum of faith, were together and they had everything in common. But of course that's not true, is it? because it's not possible to have everything in common. You know, they didn't all have the same eye color or the same hair color. They didn't have all the same tastes or preferences. You know, what Luke is saying here is that the thing that was that they had in common was so great that it overrode any other differences that they might have among them. Their sense of uh, of common purpose, the mission and the vision that God had given to them was so strong and so great that any difference that was within them was gone. You know, what unites them was far stronger than what divides them. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And we experienced this in other places. You know, to use a sporting analogy, if you've ever been to, to a football match or a rugby match and you're surrounded with thousands of people who are cheering on the same team, you have everything in common with them. Your, your common goal of wanting your team to win overrides everything for that moment and you celebrate with them and, and uh, that sense of, uh, of community that you experience. I remember years ago, I was watching um, an England football match. I was in Menorca, and uh, it was the last qualifier for the Euros, and we were playing Greece, and we had to draw with Greece at least to go through. If we lost the game, we would be out. If you're a football fan, you'll remember this game. Uh, And uh, it was like the 90th minute, and we were 2-1 down. And David Beckham had a free kick just on the outside um, of the, the penalty box. And everyone in this, this restaurant, this bar that we were in, you know, I didn't know hardly any of the people there. We were all there willing, David Beckham, as he stood up to put this ball um, in the back of the net. And he takes this beautiful free kick, and it curls over the wall and into the top corner. And the whole place erupted. Everyone was up and cheering and screaming. People were celebrating. I was hugging everybody around me. I don't really hug many people. But, you know, I had everything in common um, with them because that goal, that purpose, that thing that united us was so great. Now, if that's true for a bunch of people watching a football match in a restaurant, how much truer is that for a bunch of people wanting to see God at work in them and wanting to work towards the mission and the vision that God has laid before them? Let's continue. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's a little bit challenging, isn't it? No, they were together. They had everything in common. And then they sold property. They sold what they had when they saw somebody who had need. They, They saw people within their community and people beyond their community who actually needed help. And they thought, you know what? I've got something that I can do to help their need. They recognized that everything they had was actually theirs because God had given it to them, that God had just entrusted it to their care. And so they used that to bless one another, to care for one another. They actively cared and supported uh, one another and that's the third thing that we discover that's far better to do in community than on on your own is that we care together you know they saw it they saw the need in their group and they met it sacrificially that they practically cared for one another who does that for you who is there for you when the wheels come off who is there to pick you up when disaster hits now, whether that's something you've done that was a bit stupid or something horrific that's happened to you, when disaster hits, who comes around and picks you up and picks up the pieces? You know when the dust is settled, who is still there encouraging you and caring for you and looking after you, praying for you and meeting your practical need when you need it? Who is there who, who does that? You see, at FBC, you know, we are not a care organization. We are not set up to provide care for everybody, but we are an organization that cares. You know, we long to, to Love people and support people, but we're not the best people to provide care um, for certain things. But actually, when we have community, when we have a sense, when we have a fellowship, when we have people around us, actually we lean into that. When people in our group, when people in our fellowship, when people in our circle, whatever it is, actually are in need we step up and we step in that we pick them up and we help them and we support them and we carry them we love them we make meals for them if that's what they need we look after their kids we drive them places we do shopping for them whatever it is we are there to do it for them why well because we care together and that only happens in community it only happens in that sense of family that sense of fellowship that we are talking about so who does that for you when things go wrong when people you care about get sick, or, or you're struggling financially, or, or work is a challenge, or you've done something that was really stupid and you know you shouldn't have done it, and there's just your life is in a, in a mess or, or disaster hitting, who is there to carry you through it? Not to judge you uh, through that, but to help you and support you and love you and care for you through that. You know, we care together in community, and perhaps the best thing that you can do to grow deeper in your faith is to surround yourself with a group of people who want to practically and actively love people in the same way that Jesus has loved us. Let's carry on. Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You know, every day they continued um, to meet together. And I love this image. This is family. You know, this isn't just about coming to church or, or on a Sunday. They did live together. They didn't just do just do Sundays or, or whatever it is. They experienced uh, life together. And as they did that, they encouraged one another and they encountered God together. You know, that's what happens in community that is so much easier than by ourselves, that we encountered God together. They worshiped together, really worshiped. I don't just mean singing songs. No, this was an activity that they did. It was actually an attitude. It was a a lifestyle uh, that when they came together, they they encountered God and and they experienced the presence of God together. Um, And that's the thing, actually, that, that in community, we can encourage people closer to God. Did you know that? That actually what you do, you know, on a Sunday morning and in a small group or wherever it is when you're with people, you can actually encourage people closer to God or you can push them further away. That actually when we come in on a Sunday morning, it's a great example, and we sing songs that's part of our our worship, you know, the singing is in the worship, the attitude that goes in uh, to that, that's the worship uh, to God. Actually, how we engage in that can either encourage people, draw people into the presence of God, or it can push them away. You know, if we come and actually think, you know, I'm actually I'm going to sing this, and I'm going to show my face, what I feel in my heart. I'm going to be expressive in worship. I don't care what people think about um, uh, next to me because my God is so great, and I want to give Him the praise that He's deserved. If we lean into worship in that way, it actually encourages the people around us to step into the presence of God, to experience and encounter the presence of God. But if we don't do that, we choose not to do that, if we choose to, you know, maybe have our arms folded, just chat with the people next to us, actually they're. The same thing. It discourages the people around us from actually entering or experiencing or encountering, encountering the presence of God. You know, when we experience fellowship together, we can encounter God together in a deeper, richer, more fulfilling way than we ever will on our own. You know, perhaps the best thing that you can do to grow deeper in your faith is to surround yourself with a group of people who want to experience God who want to encounter God, who want to step out of their comfort zones, who are not um, worried about what people think about them, but they want to please God and they want to see God uh, work in them and God will work through them, that they want to encounter and experience what God has for them. Perhaps the best thing that you could do for your faith is surround yourself with a group of people who are hungry for that experience of God, who want to actively worship and praise God, who will encourage you to grow in your faith. And Maybe you're further on in your faith, and actually the challenge for you is to do that. You know, how are you leading people into the presence of God? Wherever it is, on a Sunday morning, in a small group, in the week, however it is, wherever you come into contact, how are you leading people into this to encounter God, to experience God? Uh, for themselves that's the challenge that is set before us and this is what was happening you know they were learning together they were serving together they were caring together they were encountering God together what was the result of all that as they as they lent into community and as they embraced community what happened well as we read on in Acts the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved You know, As they were doing the things that they could do, God did the things that only God can do. He added to their number daily that every day people saw them and saw their devotion to God and saw the community uh, and the care that they had for one another. And they thought, you know what? I'm not sure if I know all about this. I'm not sure if I agree with all this, but I want something um, about that. I want something in that. I remember years and years and years ago, my sister-in-law, who is now a Christian, but before um, she was a Christian, she'd come to church with us occasionally and she'd see the sense of community Community that we'd have. She used to call it the mafia. You know, that when you're in need, people would come and help you and support you. If you needed a new kitchen table, people would give you a kitchen table, whatever it was. And so she called it the the mafia. And I remember once I was saying to Louise and myself, she says, you know, I I don't believe in all of this, but I want this. That, that level of community, that level of fellowship, that level of care that we've been talking about. She didn't believe in all the Jesus stuff, but she saw something appealing in that community and realized that she wanted that for herself and actually lent into that and came to a point where she realized who Jesus was for herself and is now you know, um, you know, a committed Christian and following him. The Lord added to the number daily those who have been saved. That's a funny word, and you know, if you're not a Christian, you might understand, well, saved from what? You know, It's basically saved from ourselves. It's saved from those bad choices that we make when we think that we're enough, that we can do life by ourselves, that we don't need anybody else, that we don't need God to help us out, that actually, you know, when they did what they did, God did what he did, and people saw their need for a savior. They saw that this whole thing that we've been saying about Jesus makes life better, and he makes us better at life, that people went into that, and they grew in number, and they grew um, in experience. And the thing about what's going on here is that, you know, in Acts 2, their connection to one another, their community with one another was so important. It was vital for their connection to God. If it was just them on their own, sitting in a row, sitting in a chair, sitting in a pew, and it's just their faith was just a private thing, they would never have experienced or grown in their faith in the way that they did. Their connection, their community with one another was vital for them to experience what God had in store for them. They connected relationally in order to grow spiritually. And the thing that we need to realize is that faith is a we thing. It's not a me thing. You know, Faith is a we thing. It's not a me thing. We see this throughout scripture. We see this throughout history. We see this throughout our experience at FBC, that God uses community to grow us, and he uses us to grow community. And perhaps the simplest thing that you could do, the best thing that you can do, the most practical thing that you can do in order to grow deeper in your faith is simply give your faith some friends. Just give your faith. Some friends. The simplest thing that you can do is find a group of people who will support you, encourage you, care for you, pray for you, challenge you. And you know, there's something that we want to help at FBC. That's why we do serving teams, huddles. We huddle together around a common purpose, a common goal, actually give our faith some friends. That's why we sit in a circle, in a small group in the week to to debate and chat and discuss and delve deeper, is to give our faith some friends, is to experience that fellowship that I've been talking uh, about. Uh, And we realise that when we do that, that when it comes to growing deeper in our faith, we is greater than me. You know, you will go deeper in we than you ever will in just me. If your faith is just between you and God, and all you do is come on a Sunday and sit in a row and then go home, well, that's okay, but you'll just stay in the shallows. You know that God calls us to experience that fellowship, that community, with one another. When it comes to growing deep, you know, we is greater than me. This is not about finding a crowd, but a crew, a group of people who have got your back, who will support you and encourage you and bless you. And actually, do you know what? Just signing up to, to a small group and just signing up to a volunteer team isn't going to do that. We actually be, need to be intentional about that, and actually be willing to step out of our comfort zone, to be vulnerable, to be honest, to turn up, to be real, to join in, to share of ourselves, to lean in, to support, to actively care, to do all of those things that I've been talking about. Just being there in the room isn't enough. We actually have to step into that and intentionally doing that. See, faith is a family. A family. It's not a formula. It's a group of people coming together, experiencing that fellowship around a common goal, a common purpose, leaning into one another and wanting God to be at work in them and through them, supporting one another together. And that's exactly what we've been talking about throughout this series. Now, how do we get out of the shallows and go deep? Well, the first thing we need to realize is it's our responsibility that we have to do this for ourselves. But it doesn't mean that we have to do it by ourselves. And when you came in, hopefully you received one of these um, things in the, the bulletin thing that you received. And um, I encourage you to take that out. And we're, we're going to sing a song in a minute. We're going to wrap up uh, time. And I really encourage you to just to ask yourself these questions. You know, how will I feed myself? Not how could I or how can I? How will I feed myself? How will I exercise my faith? How will I give my faith some friends? And I encourage you to do that today. You know, maybe when you go home, get a pen, get some space, get some time, and write down the answers to that. But don't just write down the answers to it. Actually then start doing it. Live it out. Actually do those things. The reality is many of you won't do that. Many of you will just go home and won't think about this stuff again. And actually, if we want to experience deep, When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we have to do the things for ourselves. We have to start living out. We have to to start applying the stuff that Jesus is saying to us. We have to work out what it is that God is working in. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Let's worship together. Father God, I thank you so much that you want us, that you long for us to experience deep that you are not content for us to stay in the shallows, but you call us out into newer, fresher things of you. And Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us for those times when we've been content just to stay where we are. Lord, would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you equip us to go deep with you, wherever we are on our spectrum of faith? Will you help us take responsibility for our own faith? And Lord, would you help us find friends for our faith? A group of people, a fellowship of people who will support us, who will hold us, who will lift us up, who will hold us accountable, who will challenge us when we need challenging, who will care for us when we need caring, who will be there to support us when we need supporting. And Lord, would you help us be that for other people, that we don't just take, but that we give. And as we do that, Lord, help us experience what the depths really look like when it comes to faith. Thank you, Lord.